0: has come to reward his service. Shall call us one by one To the Lord we restore our talents Will he answer thee well done Oh can we say we are ready brother Ready for the soul's bright home Say will he find you and me still watching Waiting, waiting when the Lord shall come true to the trust he left us, do we seek to do our best? If in our hearts there is not condemned us, we shall have a glorious rest. Oh, can we say we are ready, brother, ready for the soul's pride, home. Say same will he find you and me still watching, waiting, waiting when the Lord shall are those whom the Lord finds watching, in his glory they shall share. If he shall come at the dawn or midnight, will he find us watching there? Oh, can we say we are ready, brother, ready for the soul's bright home? Say, will he find you and me still watching? When the Lord shall come Amen, and until that day, turn to 288 We need to be more like Jesus, amen I would be like Jesus, 288 earthly pleasures vainly call me I would be like Jesus nothing worldly shall enthrall me I would be like Jesus be like Jesus this my song in the home and in the throng be like Jesus all day long I would be Jesus, He has broken every fetter. I would be like Jesus.
1: Some special guests with us, Brother John Wilkerson's here from I'm going to say Long Beach, California. I knew I was going to get it right, and I'm uh, just going to ask him to open our service in prayer this morning. Please remain standing. All right, now I'll turn to page 291.
0: Just a page over, or so 291. Step on higher ground, amen. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. Still bring as I onward bound, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. are hurled, for faith has caused the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. One more song, 821. It's past your index, 821. Grace greater than our sin, amen. 821. Marvelous grace of our love. all the children 11 and under will be dismissed to our junior church. Let's sing that fourth verse. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace Freely bestowed on all who believe You that are longing to see His face Will this moment His grace
1: Amen. Take your Bibles if you would and turn to the book of Psalms, the book of Psalms to Psalm number 90 and we're going to read just a a few verses here out of this Psalm and I'd like us to do something a little different if we could uh, maybe even have just a little fun, a little mind recognition here this morning and uh, just try to put some things together and then uh, we'll go through and, and just take uh, these verses apart and, and see, and, and Lord willing, see the application that He has for our lives today. We're going to start reading in, in verse 8 of Psalm chapter 90. It says, Thou hast set our iniquities before Thee, our secret sins in the light of Thy countenance. Psalm 90, verse 8. Psalm 90, verse 9. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Now, let's go back to verse 9. The last little phrase there in that verse is kind of going to be our diving board today to get into the Scripture. It says, we spend our years as a tale that is told. Now, that's a fairly famous scripture. You may have heard of it before. And, and, and you know, one thing about the Bible is you can take things out of the Bible and you can look around you in the real world and you can see the Bible constantly reflected even by those people who uh, have really nothing to do with the Bible in some cases, uh, just a, uh, a, a short... Uh, little joke that they used to tell Uh, George Washington our first president said I cannot tell a what anybody remember that I cannot tell a lie Richard Nixon I cannot tell the what truth Bill Clinton I cannot tell the difference just a little connection there I mean isn't that doesn't that describe those different men I mean, one was, uh, I mean, he just lied and lied and lied until they found the tapes that said, hey, this is what really happened. And then he got up and he said, I quit. And uh, the last guy, he couldn't tell the difference. Uh, He didn't even know what the word is meant. I mean, we live in a crazy world, do we not? And we're going to take a few minutes this morning and just grab some lives out of the Bible, some tales that are told. How many of you remember the story of Cain? If you know the story of Cain, raise your hand. When, when Cain comes to mind, what is the first thing that comes into your mind? Say it out loud. There you go. That's exactly what I have written on that line right here. Cain the murderer. All right. I, I mean, that's what comes into your mind because that is the story of Cain's life. Cain, for us today, we're just going to look at his life a little bit here the tale that is told now cain it is interesting he is responsible for the death of a quarter of the world's population you ever think about that there're only four people living and he killed one of them i mean population wise he's done more than any of the mass murderers ever have in history he he knocked off 25% of the world's population He is the first murderer. He will always be remembered. But how many of you really remember and understand the reason why we know Cain today as the murderer? It was because he tried to approach God Cain's way. Do you remember that? Let's go to Genesis chapter 4 for just a few minutes this morning. Genesis chapter 4. Verse 5, it says, But unto Cain, and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now, there's a reason God had no respect for Cain's offering. If you go back to verse 3, it says, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now, how did that fruit grow out of the ground? It took Cain's hands to make it happen. You cannot worship the God of heaven with the works of your hands. Yet how many people do you know that are trying to get to heaven by keeping the Ten Commandments? Now you've got to stop and think about this. This is Bible. You cannot worship the God of heaven with the things that you do. God will not accept you and what you can do. Uh, If you want a working definition of the word religion... Now, this is not true religion, but this is what 99.9% of the people who are involved in this thing called religion do... It is trying to make yourself acceptable to God. Or, depending on what religion you believe, uh, you can even become God in some religions. Now, if you really think you can become God, see me after the service. We've got some things we really need to talk about. Amen? Uh, but there's people out there who are trying and religion is exactly what Cain was doing. He brought the absolute best that his efforts could produce. By the way, where did Cain get the dirt? Where did Cain get the seeds? Uh, did Cain make the rain or the sunshine? Uh, Well, actually, it didn't rain in Cain's day, but you know what I'm talking about. Cain didn't make the water that he watered the plants with. He didn't make the seeds that he put in the dirt. Uh, Cain really didn't do that much, did he? And yet he brought it to God and said, God, here it is. You ought to be pleased with what I can do. And God had one word for him. It's in the original, amen? God had no... Respect whatsoever for what Cain did. And so what did Cain do? He thought he would get around it by killing the person who was worshiping God correctly. Wow, is that today's newspaper? Maybe tomorrow's. How about yesterday's? those who hold false religion and are trying to get to heaven by the things that they can do are always attacking and persecuting those who trust only in the work that Jesus Christ has done why do you think Islam is on the rage today? it is a religion dependent upon the things you do with your hands In fact, they tell you the greatest reward in the religion of Islam is to kill those people who refuse to be a part of Islam. By the way, if you believe in this book called the Bible and the shed blood of Jesus Christ to take away your sins, you're number one on the list. You're a total infidel. Because if your religion is based on the things of your hands and the things you do, It is an abomination to you to allow someone to exist who has had everything done for them. There's nothing more offensive. And that's why Cain was the first murderer. And that's why religious people have been murderers all down through the centuries is because they cannot abide the fact that you know your sins are forgiven and heaven's your home. That you're not trying to earn your salvation. They said, how good do you think you are? I don't think I'm any good at all. I read what this book tells me about me. Amen? But there's a God of heaven that loved me enough that He paid the price for my sins and all I have to do is trust in Him. And He'll take me to heaven forever. Cain the murderer. Why? Why? because he tried to approach to God Cain's way. And by the way, Cain is the greatest illustration for us today that if you refuse the truth that is in this book called the Bible, you're capable of doing anything, of committing any degree of hatred and evil with the body God gave you. If you turn your back on God, we need to remember Cain the murderer. Amen. Now, let's try one more. Rahab the harlot. Now, wait a minute, that's not a nice word to say in church now, is it? How many of you know the story of Rahab the harlot? Judges chapter 2, Judges chapter 6. Now, you know what? Well, we'll get there in a minute. Boy, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Rahab was a harlot, a prostitute. She was as far down in the dregs of human society as you can go. Her life was wicked. It was evil. It was against God. It was against everything that was right and honest. And by the way, Rahab lived in the city of Jericho She lived among a people called the Canaanites And if you want a study In the depths of human depravity Get out a history book and study the Canaanites Now I don't recommend that You don't need The Bible says be ignorant concerning sin Amen Uh, The Canaanites were I mean I can't even begin to tell you the stuff That the Canaanites did they were so low and so wicked in their culture and in their belief and in their practice. I mean, their daily life was entangled with the lowest forms of human wickedness. I guess that's... We Couldn't can we leave it there? Amen? We don't want to go any further. Now, God had told the children of Israel to do what to the Canaanites? Wipe them out. Not one. You say, but wait a minute. How can a God of love say, wipe everybody out? Well, that same God who's a God of love saved Rahab the harlot, now didn't he? Rahab's tale is to tell you and I that God will save anyone who's willing to be saved. One of the most asked questions I have as a preacher, well, well you're, you're just so dogmatic about that Bible and you just believe that the, that the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And I usually say, Amen. Because that's the only way you get to heaven. Only way. He said, but what about the aborigines in Australia, and what about the people who lived in the jungles? I said, you know, you and I do not possess the knowledge to answer that question. In fact, I know of no living human being that does. Now, before we go railing accusation against the character of God, let's open the pages of the Bible and go to the story of Rahab. And if God was willing to stop in the cursed city, in the cursed land, among the cursed people to pick up Rahab the harlot, uh, what will he do with all those other people that live in all those other cultures and all those other societies? Amen? Amen. I think I can trust the character of God a whole lot more than I can trust uh, that two and a half pounds of gray matter that sits directly behind your eyes and right between your ears. Amen? You know, sometimes we try to put God in a little box that you and I can understand. God will save anyone who's willing to be saved. Now, Rahab had to do some things, didn't she? She saw the spies that came in And she called them to her house, not to sell her wares, but to hide them from those who would kill them. And she said, listen, I don't know what you guys have, but what you have is something I don't have. And by the way, Rahab did not spend the majority of her life being a harlot. Because once the city of Jericho was taken... Rahab married a guy named Salmon who had a son named Boaz from the book of Ruth, amen, who had a son named Obed, who had a son named Jesse, who had a son named David, who had a great, 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 something grandson named Jesus. You talk about the story of redemption. Amen. We have Cain the murderer. We have Rahab the harlot. And we got one more. Actually, this is double. David and fill in the blank. Okay, let's try that again. Just say it out loud. We got both answers, but not everybody could hear it. David and? Ah, we got two answers that time. You know, you always do when it comes to David. There were some people... Now, here's one way to know whether you're a positive or a negative person. If you're a positive person, you would have said David and Goliath. If you're a negative person, you would have said David and Bathsheba. Right? Now, it's the same person, is it not? Now, I love the story of David and Goliath, don't you? The little boy, 15, 16 years old, maybe 17. I mean, when Goliath saw him, he said, What do you think I am that you send this little boy to fight me? And David said, We don't think much about you at all. You see, David understood where the battle was. It wasn't nine foot six Great, big, tall, and ugly. That wasn't the battle. That was Goliath, by the way. It was the fact that Goliath was not there just to fight Israel. You read Genesis, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Goliath was defying the God of Israel. Boy, if we could just get that straight. The battle that was being fought was not against the soldiers of Israel. It was against the God of Israel. And David said, listen, I'll be used of God to solve that problem. Amen? And he was. But David got a little comfortable with victory, didn't he? He decided that the battle was won and he didn't even need to go fight. He had such great leaders that he could sit back and and just relax a little bit. And David committed adultery with Bathsheba, the wife of one of his mighty men. And then when he found out he couldn't cover up his sin because of the honor of Uriah, her husband, David came up with the perfect plan. He put Uriah in the place where the battle was hottest. And Uriah was killed in the battle, not, not by any of the Israelites, but by the soldiers of the, of the Ammonites. And then David played the part of the kinsman redeemer by stepping in and marrying Uriah's wife, And it made him look like a hero how much he loved his own men. He was willing to take the wife of one of his servants into the palace of the king. Well, the best hatched plans of men are derailed by a holy God. Amen. God sent Nathan the prophet in and told David, the story, and David's passions were aroused as he heard of the carelessness and the heartlessness of the man who would steal the only lamb of his neighbor. And old Nathan's finger went out four miles long right into King David's face and said, Thou art the man. Now, that wasn't done in a secret privy council, the king sat in the gate. There were people all around. Everyone now knew the real story behind what David had done, what David did. David paid. Uriah died. David had four sons that died. Four sons remember his oldest son Amnon died Absalom was killed by uh, Joab the son that was born of the adulterous generation of uh, the adulterous relationship died and after David was dead Adonijah the one who thought he would become the king had to be put to death for a treasonous behavior by Solomon, his own brother, in order to establish the kingdom and to stop the problems that had been set up in the king's own family. Now, what David tells us is that you can have victory in your life But unless you live to keep that victory, you can lose it even as a Christian. You can lose a lot. Now, praise God, you cannot lose your salvation. Please let me be absolutely clear. Your salvation cannot be lost because you didn't pay for it. Amen? Jesus did. But you can lose everything else. David did. So we look at three tales. Cain the murderer, Rahab the harlot, David and Goliath, and David and Bathsheba. That borders on schizophrenia, doesn't it? You almost have to have two complete personalities to do such horrid and such wonderful deeds in the same life. Unfortunately, all of us are capable of that. Now I want us to go back to our text in, in Psalm chapter 90. Psalm 90. And I promise I'll have you out of here before two. all right? A lot before, too. But Psalm 90, and let's start in verse 8. It says, Thou hast set our iniquities before Thee, our secret sins, in the light of Thy countenance. Now, let's just read what it says one more time. It says, Thou, God, hast set our iniquities before Our transgressions, our sins, before Thee, before God, He's looking at them, our secret sins in the light of His countenance. Now, how would you like everything that you've ever done to be shined up here on this screen? in front of everyone in this room right now. Do we have any volunteers for that? In fact, we've got some fearful looks on some faces. And you know why? Because we know what we have done. Amen? We know that we are sinners before a holy God. But when is the last time you stopped and evaluated what the Bible says that God's got every sin that you've ever committed in the light of His holy countenance. That's why you cannot please God by the things you do. He knows every wrong thing that you've done. Every one of them. They're all there, written out in bold print. I mean, it's bad enough if it was just regular, but God's got it down bold. Amen? I mean, He knows. I love the way my pastor puts it. He said, "God knows everything about me. Yet He still loves me. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Why do we try to hide our sin from God? We tried to polish it up and clean it up, and well, it really wasn't as bad as, uh, as as it sounded. Wait, wait a minute. It, it says right here. It says." Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. God knows everything you've ever done. Everyone. You say, but he doesn't know. Uh-uh. He does know. He knows the things about you that no other living person knows. He knows the things that you've done in your heart that you're afraid to even admit to yourself that you've done God knows it all. No questions. In fact, He even knows the motives behind why we did what we did. Should that really make a difference? No. Sin is still sin. Look at verse 2. Verse 9, I'm sorry. The second verse of our text For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. Did you ever think about that? Is there anything God hates more than sin, my friend? And is there any one of us in this room that would be so bold and brash and ignorant as to raise our hand and say that we have very little sin in our lives? when we're talking to God? I would hope not. Because it only takes one to get you into hell. But I dare say not a one of us in this room has that problem. We've all got a lot more than that. And it says that we, our days are passed away in thy wrath. I mean, it is God's wrath against our sins that just hang over our head. What did John say? He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God. What's that next word? Abideth. It lives right there on him. We just can't feel it. If we could, we'd be consumed before we even knew what hit us. That's how we live in this world. And we look here at the rest of this verse. It says, we spend our years as a tale that is told. Let me tell you something. Your story is going to be told one of two places. Now, let's look at the first one, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 5. It says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You want to know what heaven's going to be about? It is going to be about God taking a sinner that's been saved by grace and sitting him up and saying, look what I did with this poor loser's life. Amen? Do you qualify for that statement? I sure do. I mean, where would you be without Jesus Christ today? Stop and think about it. What would your life be like without the Lord Jesus Christ? Think of the pain and the suffering that has been brought into your life because of decisions made before you were saved or against the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and the words of this Scripture. But He still wants to use us to bring glory to His name. He's going to tell our stories. Every one we could go through and we could just start calling out names what's your tale gonna be you ever thought about that you know I hate to pick on our former president but he's just so easy to pick on he spent the last term in the White House trying to develop A legacy and the only problem is he already had one didn't he I mean if we think about Bill Clinton we don't think about nice pleasant clean thoughts he had already built his legacy but he was trying to make everything look like he was just the most wonderful man that ever walked in shoe leather I'll tell you what You tried to mold your tail. And you're going to be like the little puppy dog that's chasing his own. You ever seen a puppy dog chase its tail? It's quite funny, especially if he ever catches it. That's hilarious. Because all of a sudden he finds out it was attached. That's what people do when they try to mold their life. That's what Jesus means. If you're going to save it, you're going to lose it. But if you're going to lose it for His sake, you'll save it. Amen? If you'll just give up and let God do it, He's going to tell your tale about what He did with your life. And I'll tell you, in my testimonies, He did a whole lot better job with it so far than I ever could. And He'll do a lot better job with your life than you could ever imagine. If you'll just give it to him, your story is going to be told either in the ages to come or Revelation chapter 20 is the other place your tale is going to be told. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. We'll read through the end of the chapter. There's the tale, written down. Everything you ever did. Do you think that God is going to look at those things that you did trying to make yourself look good in the sight of God when you were all the time inside full of hypocrisy and every wicked work trying... To make yourself look good to other people, is he going to look at that in a good light? When we go street preaching and have a sermon or a, a paint, like a golden scale, and then we paint over it red and make the golden scale the cross of Calvary because that's where Jesus weighed our sins. Every time we think we can do something good, to outweigh something bad we're really telling God that what he sacrificed through his son on the cross wasn't necessary I'll take care of it myself how could you blaspheme God more than that my friend it's not possible every work is written down in those books could you imagine being one of God's bookkeepers I think that's why it has angels do it, because they can't be affected by all the things that are written down. You or I, we'd go nuts after just a few pages if we got that far. And that would be in our own book, let alone somebody else's. It said, "In the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Your tale is going to be told, my friend. It's either going to be told in the ages to come, or it's going to be told at the great white throne. But it's going to be told our lives are spent as a tale that is told, our years, I'm sorry. as a tale that is told. This morning, I want us just to stop and think about what our story. what is your personal story going to be? Let's go back to Psalm 90. Verse 10. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Do you realize every person living in the year 1875 is now dead. You say, Pastor, you're just being sarcastic. Well, you've got to stop and think about this thing. There are maybe a dozen or more people born shortly after the year 1900 or maybe just shortly before. 120 seems to be about the absolute limit. There are not very many people around that are over 100 years old. That's not a very long time. Life is short. You wake up, and all of a sudden, there's gray hairs up there. I have no idea where they came from. Last time I was at the barber, he said, You got some gray hair in there. I said, At least I got mine. His went away a long time ago. I was just sitting there looking, and I used to work in a nursing home. And one of the interesting things just look at people's hands. And you can see so much in somebody's hands. You can see as the skin gets drier and drier and more transparent as the years go on. You can see the calluses and the strong sinews of those young hands that are working in the laboring. You can see the delicate hands of the musician interesting just to look at hands you can see so much but they only last so long don't they life is short that's what he's telling us you know what life is pretty normal you're not somebody special we're all in the same boat we like to think we're special. we always like to think we're the exception to the rule, but we're not. Look at verse 11, who knoweth the power of thine anger? Remember the God of the Old Testament departed the, the Red Sea? He's still there. The God that poured out. His wrath upon His Son as He hung on the cross outside the city of Jerusalem and allowed His Son to take our pun- our punishment upon Him, He's still there, amen? The God that raised Him from the dead, the God that formed and spoke everything that now is out of nothing, He's still there. It says, Who knoweth the power of thine anger, Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. We have gotten so comfortable with God's forgiveness that we've totally ignored His judgment. We need to get a little more understanding of God's wrath so that we will fear Him. We're so so easily... Made afraid. How many of you remember after 9 11? Every time a plane came in low to LaGuardia, what were you thinking? Same thing I was thinking. Is this one going to make it to the runway or is somebody else trying to move it somewhere where it doesn't belong? We, we're afraid of so many things. We're afraid that the gas is going to be $5 a gallon. That's what they're saying.